Welcome to Tears, Tides, and Transformation, a podcast about healing. I am Bridget Flaherty. And I am Kiana Daniels. Today we are talking with Nicole Brooks, who is a dear friend of mine that I met the fall of 2019, actually through a leadership program. From then, her and I have just bonded so well, and we have been so supportive to each other in our journeys of healing. And sometimes God just brings people into your life. You never really know what the purpose is until it starts to unfold. And so her and I, we know now why we were brought into each other's lives, because we are teaching each other things that we have somewhat mastered or are working towards that we do really well, that is very helpful to the other person in the season that we're in. And so I'm just really grateful that she was willing to come on our show and speak with us about her healing journey. So my name is Nicole Brooks. I am a mother of four. I am a very loving, fun, giving type of person. And I think that that kind of like gives me joy. I work as a financial aid counselor. So that's another part of a way that I am able to give and help. One of the questions that we always ask our guests is, what is healing to you? And Nicole's definition of the start of the healing journey is spot on. She acknowledged that there's some pain and or broken pieces of ourselves that need to be examined and addressed. In other words, fixing and changing the things that no longer serves us. When you acknowledge the broken pieces of yourself or the broken pieces of a situation, relationship, And you acknowledge the pain that's there. And then you decide to start examining what has caused the pain and how you can rebuild from that pain. That's when you truly can start a healing process. They always say acknowledging whatever is going on in your life is the first step. And to me, that's the very first step in a healing process. Everybody has a different definition of what it means to them, but I really resonated with her definition of like the start. How do you know that it needs to be done? Because it was also my journey, acknowledging that there was something that was either broken or not working in my life that was triggering me to course correct. I can resonate with that. I can resonate with recognizing that there are cracks that need to be sealed and need to be healed. And the process of putting those pieces together in a way that can be beautiful, right? But first, we have to acknowledge that there are broken pieces here that need to be put back together. Absolutely. I went on to ask Nicole, when did she realize that she needed to heal? And she mentioned that we're taught to cope instead of actually healing from the things that have happened to us. We find a way to cope with whatever's happening to us. We have things bad. We have broken relationships. We have estrangement. And we just continue to move on until something comes crashing down. In 2017, I had a situation occur with one of my children that completely disrupted 
everything that I knew to be true about Nicole, my self-identity, what I thought about the world, what I thought about life and family. And I went into complete dark and coping. It took me a couple years of starting to listen to the type of feedback that I was getting about who I was and my personality, like people's perceptions, who didn't know me prior to 2017. And a lot of the adjectives that I was getting was negative. And I was like, oh, well, they just don't know me. Kind of brushed it off at first. Oh, they just don't know me. I felt like I don't care. But the more you start to hear this and the more you run into like resistance, you have to start going, wait a minute, self. (laughs) More than one person is saying this. There has to be some validity into it. You know you're carrying a chip around your shoulder, but you really don't know how to release it. Do you want to be acknowledged in this format and like let this be who you are now? Or do you want to get back to self? That's what made me go, okay, you need to take a pause. And you're going to need to have to sit with yourself and in this and acknowledge the pain and the hurt that you've gone through so you can start doing some self-healing. She acknowledged that she had been coping for a long time until she realized the people around her seeing the same tune about her attitude and behavior. And that was when she said she realized she was unconsciously projecting her trauma onto others because the feedback that she was receiving was not positive. It was negative. And so she thought she was hiding it very well. But when, again, there was a consistent message from every person in her life saying that her attitude was nasty or she was being closed off. She started to examine herself. She took a stop. She just paused and she examined herself and said, oh my gosh, I thought I was hiding this, but actually it's seeping out and I need to do some work. Wounds that we want to protect, we protect our heart with barbed wire and that arms anyone who comes close because instead of healing, we put up armor, we put up walls, we top those walls with barbed wire and anyone who gets close enough will be cut and wounded and it's until we start dismantling all of the armor that we have built and then healing the wounded little one within us that we begin to have meaningful connections. We're wounded and protecting ourselves. We can't have connections. We're just protecting, coping, and not growing. And projecting those hurt feelings. And she realized that that was what she was doing, even though she was trying to give her best. But in that time, her best was compromised because she had experienced something that actually put her in a dark place. Once you start turning a mirror onto yourself, you don't just focus on what occurred to get you to a particular state, you realize it's deep-rooted. It's even bigger than that. And you have to continue to take that mirror and turn it into a reflection to go further and further and further back and go, when did I really lose myself? When did I really start to change? Because as young people, as young kids, we're all innocent. We all just expect the world and people to be fun and happy and loving until We get taught not. That her taking accountability and examining herself based on the common and consistent negative feedback she was receiving helped her to understand that what she was experiencing was just the tip of the iceberg and that there were deeper rooted issues going on dating back to childhood that needed to be acknowledged and addressed. And as you and I both know from our own healing journeys, this is a common realization. Understanding that. How we're showing up now 
and the things that we're projecting now has everything to do with what happened when we were younger, how we were raised, or just undealt with issues. We develop coping mechanisms as children or young adults or that protect us. So those coping mechanisms served a purpose. They helped us to survive. But as we step into adulthood, as we step into wanting having meaningful relationships, those coping mechanisms that help to protect the tender parts of us start to kind of go into overdrive and they are no longer serving us. So it really is like acknowledging and thanking those parts of us that may show up as harsh or projecting and say, thank you for saving me when I was little, but you can take a back seat now. I'm in the driver's seat and that little precious one is safe because I got this. And that takes something to acknowledge what we experienced and to also recognize the parts of us that got us through to today, but that are no longer serving us. It really is a process of breaking habits and the things that used to serve us to protect us, right? It was our protector, but now it's no longer serving us. So we have to not only survive, but we have to shift our mindsets to thriving. And so that is something that Nicole talked about as she continued to recount her healing journey. And so she also mentioned taking a journey backwards. So I started taking a journey backwards and looking at where did I go wrong? This so-called catastrophe happened in my life. Where did the chain or where did the reaction really start? And I realized it started back probably not looking at my childhood, right? Because I can't control anything that happened to me younger than 18. That was all done to me, right, or situational or my environment. But once you're 18, once you start reaching that 18, 20, you're kind of feeling yourself, look at me, I am an adult, you have to take accountability for everything you've done since then. That's what happened to me. And I said, okay, I have some real healing to do because I do not want to walk through life having this boulder on my shoulder. It's heavy. It hurts. It's painful. And even if I think that I'm hiding it, it's glaring. Everybody sees it because everybody is acknowledging it in a different way than I think I'm carrying it. I think I'm carrying it in the shadows and in silence, but obviously not. I'm carrying it where it's weighing on me so bad that I'm projecting it out. I'm like almost handing it off to everyone that I meet. And no one wants to pick up anybody else's boulders when they already have their own. Because that is the process of healing. When you understand that there are broken pieces of you, things that need to be fixed, you need to do some course correcting, you have to take a step back and go back to where it came from. And it reminds me of the African Sankofa bird, which stands for looking backward to understand how we became who we are in order to move to a better future. And from my own experience and from the stories of all the people I've talked to about the healing journey, this taking a journey backwards is a common exercise to gaining true understanding, wisdom, and healing about ourselves, about how to get to a healthy place and how to better manage ourselves and our triggers from the trauma that we have experienced. Because I think you and I both know, too, on the healing journey is not that the triggers necessarily go away. Some of them probably can and some of them may remain. But understanding how to manage ourselves in those situations when they occur is just like so important. There's actually brain science behind the going back and changing the feelings around 
what happened. So if I am a small child and I'm in a situation where I freeze because I have no other way to deal with the trauma, and I now have a story around that freezing that anytime that similar things happen in my life, I freeze. Brain science says going back to that first moment where I froze, reliving that experience and saying to that child, you don't have to freeze anymore. I got you. We can deal with this and create a different ending to that story. Changes the way our triggers show up today. It's a powerful tool to change the future by really changing the way our brains perceive the past. Giving ourselves permission to course correct and shift mindsets. And then it's really all about perspective. In the moment something happened, we had a certain perspective and it was very necessary at that time. But then once we go throughout life and we get the tools that we need through therapy and through just like releasing and sharing and building bonds with people who can support us, we can then journey backwards and say, okay, I want to have a different perspective about this. I wholeheartedly believe that we are not here just for ourselves. We don't go through these experiences just for ourselves. We go through them so that when we meet people, we have a story to share that is going to help them on their journey. So I'm going to get to the story that she shares. She had to recount and just really walk us through her healing journey to really set the tone in the stage for what happened that really made her get into a dark place and then to overcome that darkness. My parents were very jokey-jokey, and they didn't take life serious, and so that affected me. So with my children, I was a little bit too serious. I was on the other side of that spectrum. I was a little bit too more serious. I was very much like, okay, this is the way you have to do things. I'm thinking like it's for them against one of me. I've got to make sure that I maintain. Well, I'll use the word control, significant control, right? I have to make sure that I juggle all the eggs and the balls and nothing gets dropped because the weight is on me. They didn't ask to come here. I'm responsible for them. So I took that job very seriously. What I didn't realize is that by being so serious, I didn't give them space to feel open and comfortable to talk to me about different things within their own childhood because I was so focused on my childhood and what I didn't want them to experience. And in a sense, not letting them see me as an individual. I let them see me as mom only. Mom is the head of the household. This is the rules that you follow. Didn't realize as much fun as I thought we were having, as much love as I thought I was having and showing them, that that also made me be a very unlikable, bitter woman. And if you know anything about the black woman syndrome, right, the angry black woman syndrome, but it's also because we feel like we're carrying the weight of the world on our shoulders and we're not asking for help because that's a trauma response too, right? I got this. I'll take care of it. That's how I maneuver through life. What's the four of them and myself? Nicole has four children. She has three girls and a boy. She had found out that her youngest had been sending pornographic videos. She was the baby of the family. And she was, I want to say 12, somewhere around there. And I want to say sixth or seventh grade. I can't quite remember. Sixth or seventh grade. I found out that she was sending videos, pornographic videos. And it started the blow up of our world. Her daughter had been making these videos and sending them around to the school and they started circulating. And so as a mother who prided herself on giving her children everything she had, she was angry. She was hurt and she was embarrassed 
And so she addressed the situation with her daughter and her and her daughter and the family ended up going to family therapy. And she found out some things that had happened to her daughter dating back to when she was eight years old that she had no idea about. She says her daughter had a good year for the eighth grade and then she got to ninth grade. And then again, her daughter started sending these new videos. I found out that she was doing this all over again. But now she's old enough to where the police is involved. You send out certain things that are inappropriate, that are exposing certain parts of yourself. It's considered child pornography. It got exposed through the cafeteria. It got exposed through there was going to be a potential criminal charge for it. And moving forward from that, I tried to still do everything I could to say, hey, we all make mistakes. You're going to hold your head up. And I'll just fast forward it to get to the point that eventually I lost my cool because everything that I tried to do in trying to direct her and trying to guide her and trying to build her up and build her confidence, to shower her with love, that wasn't enough for her. I guess I should just say that. And maybe I won't say it's not enough for her. It wasn't enough for what she needed. I could not give her all that she needed. That resulted in me putting my hands on my daughter which resulted in her telling the school, who then resulted in calling the police on me, which resulted in me getting arrested for child abuse. My world went black that day. That was September 2017. Here I am trying to protect my child, rear my child. I don't want to say control my child, but I certainly was trying to protect her from her own actions. There are People who would take advantage of you, you know, some young girls do these kind of things and they, I hate to say it, but their bodies are found and they're no longer with us. So here I am trying to do everything I think a mother should do and I get put in jail for it. I actually spent more than one night. Can you imagine the embarrassment, the horror, the shock, like an out-of-body experience that I had all in one? And I kept going back to, being humiliated and embarrassed and angry. Because of that, all I could think about was all the sacrifices that I've done for her entire life, for their entire lives. I literally sacrificed so much that I felt like I never had anything left to give myself, that I was giving them everything that I had. So when something happens like that, it's like an overnight experience where you go into a deep depression and you don't even know you're there. I couldn't really focus on my emotional and mental state because I was so worried about making sure that this didn't affect my livelihood. I worked for a hospital at the time. And so I was working where I had to have not direct one-on-one interactions with patients, but still your reputation is important to you, right? So not only did I have to worry about how this may affect my livelihood, but I'm also dealing with how can I now have a person in my house who I no longer trust? To me, they're a complete stranger. They're someone that I don't know, and I'm trying to understand how all of this unfolded and how could it even happen. And because of the county that I lived in, it's a county that is more so unforgiving than, let's say, a Montgomery County would be. And they wanted to kind of throw the book at me. And I was like, oh, no. So I felt like I was in a fight for my life, right, for my freedom. So I knew that I wasn't right. But it's kind of like a person who's a functioning alcoholic or drug addict. You just exist. You get in the shower. You 
comb your hair, you put on some clothes, and you're like a robot walking out the door and you're functioning the best way that you can. But if you know anything about alcoholics or drug addicts, their so-called secret spills out because they start off maybe only drinking at night or maybe drinking in the morning. But then they do something where now it's affecting their daily routine, right, their professional routine. So because I wasn't a drug addict or alcoholic, it was like a slow burn. I would just get less tolerant, a little more short a little unforgiving, having a little less grace until you realize that you're in a space where you're kind of like playing the devil and the angel with your personality because you're feeling dark, but you're also trying to operate in your normal self and normally without sharing any of this that's going on with you. I didn't share this with anyone for the longest. So I apologize. This is like really it's still kind of like, I won't say right on the surface for me because I've done some healing for it, but I don't openly share. There's still a lot of people who don't even know that this has happened. When she recounted that story, she honestly was able to tell it without crying and she was very proud of that, but she was very emotional about it because she was still holding on and carrying that guilt and that shame and that embarrassment because I'm sure you can imagine as a mom, when you have given everything to your children and then they decide to take a different course in life and do things that you just don't understand. I could resonate as just a human being of how you can lose control and things get out of hand. And so I just thought for Nicole as her friend to have gone through that and to see her today, because I didn't know that story, was just really powerful because I know that she's done a lot of intentional work to heal from that situation. I can definitely empathize as a mother to this feeling of, like, how could you? And the truth is, when we're in a place of woundedness and we're coping and often we become parents and we've got a family to take care of, we ignore our own needs and we put the other first. And I think society says that's the right thing to do. As a mother, you're supposed to put your children first. But the truth is, When you put anything external first to yourself, you're neglecting yourself, and then you can't be your best self. I am guilty of that, of thinking by putting my family first, I am doing what is right for them. But the truth is, what they needed was me, and I was not present because I was making them my priority. And it can be so painful once, as a mother, you realize you did not serve your children in the best ways when that is all you were trying to do the whole time. And it takes a lot to step away and to look at that and to say, oh, I wasn't the best version of myself. And that journey of self-forgiveness and making changes is one that feels like a death, to be honest. It feels like I'm not going to make this. Because it is recognizing that your identity as a mother is not what you thought it was and that you are not the person that you told yourself you were. It can be heavy and extremely rewarding when you make it through that river of doubt or when you make it through the darkness to a point where you can have genuine conversations and make changes. And Nicole shares those sentiments as a parent. When I listen to you all, it just continues to confirm that being a mom is like the ultimate sacrifice. It seems like such a noble job, but such a very difficult job to do. 
because you do give so much and us as humans are constantly changing and you think that something is the best for your children, but we could go a different course. So I love moms. I think you guys are superheroes and just like magic. This story, this conversation really hits me in my heart because the truth is that a single mom of four children doing her best is us as a community failing. So we often talk about the personal healing journey. We talk about how we as individuals have a responsibility. But the truth is that there are so many things that require community healing. She should not have had to do all of that on her own. Like we as a community failed her. And so yes, she has some responsibility in the world that she wants to create for herself. But we also have to look as a community and as a tribe of women and as a culture, like what are we creating by being so individualistic, by saying that's not me and that's not my responsibility. The truth is we all have a responsibility to one another to create an environment in which there is help, that there is a community that is supporting one another. And so I commend her for the work that she is doing and what she is creating for herself and working through self-forgiveness and all of that. But we also have to look like, what are we as a community creating? We are not meant as women to do all of this alone. We are not meant to carry the weight of parenthood and financial responsibility and education and all of that on our own. We just aren't. It really does take a village, not only to raise a child, but to help heal in community. In 2019, I ended up going to a friend who was hosting a meditation. It was all the way in Chicago. I actually drove all the way in for that. And it was women who I had never met. And people were opening up about their stories. And I felt led to get just a few words out. And with her in that space, it was like a yoga and a meditation event. And I just let it out. And that began my release. Now, first, of course, there was a couple of... But those women who did not know me at all, I think only two people knew me, a friend of my aunt and my friend who invited me, they didn't know. So their eyes are like saucers. But instead of getting the rejection that I thought I would probably get, again, because of the humiliation and the fear of how I'll be perceived, they embraced me. They allowed me to sit in that moment and to release. They also validated a lot of my feelings and not my action of losing control, right? I realize that now that I can't validate that, but surely validating and understanding the sure frustration of dealing with something like this for a couple of years and I had done everything right trying to get the help my daughter needed. When that happened to me, it made me feel like you are not alone. Like with anything that we feel afraid of sharing, once we share, once we open up our hearts and our minds to not only receive maybe positive negativity, but also positivity. That's when I realized, okay, I'm not alone. I don't have a reason to be shamed. Those were the same of the things they said exactly to me. Why are you ashamed? Why are you embarrassed? We can certainly relate and understand. That was in 2019. The pandemic hit in 2020. And if the pandemic does not sit there and make you really take assessment of your life, I don't know what is. I'm not going to say you're lost cause, but I'm going to say, you got some unpacking to do. Our world got silent. We had time to think. We had time to breathe. 
And that's when I decided that I could lose my life at any moment. People were unfortunately passing away. The tickers on CNN and MSNBC of all the people who were passing away from COVID and returned, it went from a few to hundreds to thousands a day. I knew that I could not live the rest of my life in pain. I knew I refused to live my life locked up in any more bondage. And I'm talking about bondage from childhood, from teenagehood, from self-inflicted adulthood, from, I hate to say it, I'm technically middle-aged now. So I have less of my life to live than I had before. And only person who can change how I live my life, whether I experience joy, whether I experience happiness, whether I have inner peace, is me. I'm in control of that. And I also don't want to be a person who unknowingly is causing pain for other people who come in my path. Because you do that. You, you don't realize the energy that you're giving off. You don't realize the transference of pain, of emotions that you give when you connect with folks. I don't want to be that person. And when I started making that decision, it changed my outlook on my health. <laughs> it changed my outlook on where I choose to live, what I want to continue to do professionally. And that has been my healing process. I came out of the pandemic, not as a whole new person, but as a renewed person. One of the biggest things I learned was if you're willing to give other people grace, if you can give other people grace, then don't you think the most person deserving of grace from you is you? And when you think about it that way, it starts to break those chains on you. It starts to take all the junk off of you. And I came out to me, a much better person. Do I still struggle sometimes with things? Oh, certainly. But I'm more aware of who I am, what I'm projecting, what I'm giving off. And it's okay to show people the softer side on you. And it's actually even okay to break down. It's okay because there's healing in the breakdown process. In our society, we have this idea of a midlife crisis. I think specifically with women, we have like a midlife breakthrough. Our children are older or our career is at a certain point and we just say, do I really want to live the rest of my life in these patterns? And that breakthrough, like the wild woman that comes out on the other side of that breakthrough is like, watch out. And I love to hear those stories of I am no longer going to hold on to this guilt. I am no longer going to hold on to these recordings in my mind. I'm ready to break through. It's powerful stuff. It's a beautiful process. It's a challenging one, but it's beautiful. Nicole went on to acknowledge that although the story she shared with us was something that was terrible that happened to her, it was also not going to define her. And she's absolutely right. I think a lot of times we have these tragic things that happen to us that send us into this frenzy of like, oh my gosh, I'm a terrible person. No one's going to like me. No one's going to accept me. But we have to shift that mindset. And so we all experience terrible and tragic things and make bad decisions. I certainly made a lot of my own. <laughs> but it doesn't have to be who we are. And that's one of the first steps to healing and overcoming the things that we've been through. And by forgiving herself, she said that she now chooses to live the rest of her life to seek peace and joy in everything that she does going forward because she finally realizes that she deserves it and that she's worthy 
And one of the things that she actually shared with me after the interview was that she lives by every single day, GGF, grace, gratitude, and forgiveness. And so starting her day when she wakes up with that on her mind and those words of affirmations filling her spirit, her soul, and just her whole existence helps her to lead her day with grace, gratitude, and forgiveness, not only for herself, but for other people as well. That is so powerful. We talk about part of the healing process is changing habits, it's changing mindset. And so making a choice to start every day with words that will lead the day is a powerful way to change not only thought, but change action and to create those habits that better serve us and better serve people around us. That's powerful. And she also learned through her healing journey that she's still on that everything that she was pouring out into others needed to be poured back in and realized that she can only pour from the overflow of her cup to truly practice self-care and self-preservation. When you give from an empty take, you're not doing anyone any favors. You're not doing yourself. You're not doing your children, your husband, your relationships, your friendships. Because we think that kind of being a martyr, right, is, oh, I've given all of myself. I'm giving it all to you. But what I realized in this process is if you were given from an empty tank, you already have nothing to give. So you're giving people the junk, the nasty, scrappy parts of the bottom of the barrel. Who wants that? No, nobody wants that. You shouldn't even want that. So when you choose to fill yourself up, overflow your tank, you have much better to give. You have quality, right? You have the purest form to give and not the yucky stuff on the bottom. And so I just try to wake up every day with that mindset that I have to fill myself up first. Once I'm filled up, then I have more to give. And that has really changed people's perceptions of me. My coworker who once thought I had more of a hard edge, she goes, Nicole, thank you for letting me see the softer side of you. So there's one person right there who may have thought negatively of me or thought, as she called it, I was a hard person when most people who know me know that I have a heart of gold and I'll give you the shirt off my back. But if you can't get through the hard exterior, how will you ever find out what's hidden on the inside? And I don't want you to have to knock down a wall or peel 1,100 layers of onions just to say hi or just to have an interaction with me. So because I'm conscious of those things, I choose how I wake up. I choose how I'm going to go out of here in the world. And when I feel myself off, I say, okay, I'm going to need a minute. And I readjust myself, whether it's meditation, whether it's lighting incense or sage, whatever I have to do to reset, readjust. You can apologize or you can just say, oh, I was having a moment and you can reset your day. So that's how I choose to live. We talked about some of the top three lessons that she had, but then Nicole and I, we had further conversation afterwards after she really reflected on the conversation. And she said, one, human beings are complex, multifaceted, and flawed individuals. And so we have to understand that. We have to receive that, acknowledge it, so that we can have grace with ourselves and others. Parents, give yourself some grace. Parenting is a trial by error and learning on the job situation. What's good for one child isn't necessarily good for the other. So she wanted parents to understand that. And she said, for children, give your parents some grace. You did not come with a handbook. Raising you was not easy, even if mom and dad make it look easy. Forgiveness goes a long way. 
And it's the only way you can begin to heal. These lessons that she's learned on her journey in forgiving herself, in doing her healing, in realizing that she's human. I was just so proud of her to get to a place where she feels a lot more liberated from the shackles that once held her down and kept her in a dark place. I read a quote by Brene Brown once that said, we are all doing our best. And then she talked about the challenge that she had with believing that. I think that's a big part of forgiveness is recognizing that all of us in the moment are doing our best. And sometimes our best is not what you expect. But the truth is that's where the grace is, is understanding that we are all humans and that we are all doing our best. Exactly. And I think I would like to really end with that. We're all doing our best and we have to have grace with ourselves and others and give ourselves permission to rewrite our stories every single day. And so we just want to thank Nicole so very much for being here with us, for sharing her story, for being vulnerable and transparent. And honestly, she told this story somewhat for the first time in a very public way. And that in and of itself means that she has accepted it and she is letting it go and she's releasing it. And so, Nicole, we commend you. Thank you so much for sharing with us and with those who will be listening. It's not easy to take that step to share our stories. And I just want to extend gratitude to all of our guests who choose to come and share vulnerably their stories with us. I've spoken to a couple of them who feel like sharing the story, the weight has been lifted. It's freeing. It's also scary. And so I just want to acknowledge everyone who chooses, whether on this platform or another, to speak their truth out loud because it serves all of us when we vulnerably share our stories with one another. Thank you for all of you who are listening in. We appreciate you and we hope that you continue the conversation. Trusting self all along, I see.